CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. And we just want to once again encourage you to give us a call. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, and what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? We just want to encourage you to uh, give us a call. We want to be sure you have a good answer for those people that ask you a question and you yourself, as you read your Bible, maybe you come across something you don't understand. That's why we're here each and every weekday afternoon. Look forward always to talking to you. Joining me today, special guest featured CSN speaker here in the Morning Times. We have with us Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all the listeners out there. Great to be with you once again. Looking forward to another great day of questions, and hopefully we have the answers, and and let the Lord just do His work in our hearts so we draw closer to Him, to love Him deeper and richer, let Him use our lives in these last days. These are exciting times we're living in, Mike, and and all the listeners, we realize this. We're getting so close to the rapture of the church, of course, the coming tribulation, the unveiling of the Antichrist, and thank goodness, as the bride of Christ, we won't be here. We'll be up in the air. We'll be with him. And yet there's so much coming upon this world. And we've got to be soul winners and disciples. What do you say, Mike? Amen. Look up. Our redemption draws nigh. I believe that Amen. really, again, as Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Uh, I, I can begin to see them happen. And uh, certainly we see all the crazy stuff going on. What's right is wrong. Wrong is right. We see a, um, a, a protest there. Uh, maybe I, I should say there was a, um, uh, um, support for children's right, you know, keep away the, the cutters. Uh, and uh, the opposition came out and I watched it on TV. They were just violently screaming, uh, you know, about um uh just letting letting people just chop up children as much as they want to um i i certainly see i believe what we would probably as i watched that footage what we probably saw would have seen there at Sodom and Gomorrah uh when uh, those angels came to warn lot to get out of town uh so I, I really, I look at that and I go, wow, God, you know, we're, we're in some pretty crazy times right now. What is right is wrong. Wrong is right. But you know, the yep. Bible says when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. And so to be, you know, you know, Mike, our daddy's business, Mike, you know, Mike, when we look at our world today, it's uh, the killing of the unborn, but now it's the mutilating of the born. Yes. And yeah, yeah. this is, it is, is mutilating their minds. It's mutilating their bodies. We see that Satan hates God's creation. And as those that are born again Christians, we have to continue to fight the good fight of faith. And that's fighting in the realm of righteousness. What is right according to God? And and this election is going to be a, a tremendous opportunity for us to vote in people with our same values. And uh, everyone needs to pray about who they're going to vote for. But at the same time, we also realize the, the battle will continue. After this election, it's going to continue. And we as born-again believers must uh, continue to fight that good fight of faith to to the Lord takes us home. And uh, let's not get weary in well-doing, my friends. Let's just keep marching on and let the Lord use our lives 
in every opportunity he grants us. It's, the battle is raging, but Amen. God is one. Amen. Amen. Being about daddy's business, that's what we're yes. called to do. Let's go to the phones. We have Steve on the line, Rimrock, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good, Steve. How may we help? No, it's so good to always talk to you. <laughs> um, uh, I had a question I wanted to ask you, but I, I wanted to tell you on your uh, – uh, oh, that one show I listened to on every Sunday, uh, it's a lady. I, I can't remember her name. <laughs> I listen to it every Sunday too. But uh, um, did, did you know that Israel has discovered the biggest plume of, of natural gas in the entire world? And it's something like, I forget, something – uh, trillion metric tons. Yeah, it's off. Of, the, uh, it's off. It's it's offshore, um, um, and uh, it is really a treasure. It really is. And when Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight says they come down to take a spoil, I believe not only are they looking at the minerals in the Dead Sea, is uh, because a lot of those minerals in the Dead Sea area are used in making batteries, uh, and so uh, we we realize there's a shortage of. Of materials, uh, the lithium and all. So, uh, the 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 resources at the Dead Sea. Now, this natural gas uh, find that they have found is, I believe, what's going to um, going to change the whole face of Europe. And so, Russia, who's pretty much had the market cornered, uh, I believe they're going to try to do something to uh, get that. And again. As the words of Margaret Thatcher, I share very often, communism works till you run out of everybody else's money. Well, they're out of money. They invaded the Ukraine. Ain't going so well. So I look for some kind of a move for them to increase their revenue um, by invading other countries and very possibly Israel as a, um, you know, uh, the Bible says they'll they'll be at peace when they're invaded. So that would in, indicate perhaps like a surprise attack or something like that. But we know that Israel uh, is very uh, upset over a nuclear Iran. And this is something that I believe uh, Israel, as they had dealt with before, uh, they may de- deal with it again. And that may give them, that might give the hook uh, that the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 38 to come down. Your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, as we look to that natural gas fine and and so forth there off the, the coast of Israel and their territorial waters, it's a tremendous boom for their economy as they uh, implement the exportation of this gas. And Europe is the main source that's going to need this, and they've been working on this already. Now, it's interesting also, we look at Turkey and its alliance uh, that has formed uh, with Iran as well as uh, Russia. Uh, it was just a few months ago that Erdogan, the president of Turkey, uh, went to Tehran and met with Putin and the leaders of uh, of Iran. And so you see this alliance becoming stronger and stronger. We also see that there's uh, some, uh, some skirmishes going on between uh, Turkey and NATO, that uh, some disagreements and so forth. One of them that we were over in Greece uh, recently, uh, that uh, there's some islands off the coast of Turkey, and there's some problems over there in disputing those islands. So it's creating a, a rift within the NATO alliance and these islands off of Greece, which are close to Turkey. So it's interesting as we see the things unfold before our very eyes, which tells us, once again, we have facts to our faith through the Word of God, as that alliance is spoken of in Ezekiel uh, 
uh, 38 and 39 with Iran, uh, Russia, as well as Turkey, as well as the other Islamic nations. And so it's all forming itself. It's going to happen. We don't know when, but uh, these are exciting times we're living in, and it just gives us more opportunity to share our faith. Mike? Amen. And so, yeah, Steve, I hope that hope that uh, helps a little bit. Well, it, it uh, uh, you hit it on the head when you involved the Russians, because I, 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 I can't help but believe that the Russians themselves are going to get rid of Putin real quick. I think they're going to kill him. And then because they know they're in trouble, though, with Israel having that, because Israel's already building uh, uh, the uh, uh, the line going over to Egypt to, to give natural gas. And they can supply all of all of Europe. No problem. And they got to know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. And, and uh, you know, this is uh, one of the ways that Russia has been able to uh, continue the stranglehold on Europe is through the natural gas. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, I, I believe as this moves along, it's going to be a real game changer. And of course, with uh, with uh, uh, inflation now in America going crazy, we're not going to be able to offer much help. Uh, and because of, of all of our money is, is uh, well, they, they've got the printing presses running wide open with nothing to back it up. So we, we don't just have hyperinflation, but we've got many other problems. And I, I think it's going to be real interesting to see in this uh, upcoming uh, midterm election, is America just going to vote for more $10 gallon gas and runaway inflation, or are they going to curtail it? Well, uh, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's going to have to make that decision. If you want more of the same, you know what to do. If you don't want that, then I think you have to make another decision. Uh, and so, um, again, uh, you know, as long as we're here, till the Lord takes us home, we need to make the best decisions we can. So support Israel. Uh, again, I think this is going to be a real hook. As uh, It's funny uh, that Ezekiel 38 uses that word right right in the very mm-hmm. beginning of, of this Ezekiel 38-39 war. Uh, I'll put a hook in their jaw uh, and draw them down. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're coming uh, driven, I believe, by greed. Uh, that hook is a pretty powerful thing. So, Steve, hope that helps. Thank you, Mike. God bless. Blessings to you, and uh, stay alive. We'll send you out some books, DVDs. Let's go to Danny, Lexington, South Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. How me we help? So, so uh, my, question, my question is, is there any say, downtime between uh, us passing here on this earthly life and when we go to the eternal life. No, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, And uh, that word in the original language in the Greek is instantaneous. Boom, boom, that fast. Absent from the body, boom, present with the Lord, just like that. There's no soul sleep, anything like that. Now, there's different cults out there that... Uh, embrace this idea of soul sleep. It's not in the Bible. Of course, our flesh, this temple, it will go into the ground. And that's when the Bible says, and Stephen fell asleep. But as far as the Bible already establishing what happens to our soul, absent the body, present with the Lord, we remember when, again, I, I cite this many times, but in the book of Luke 8.55, we have Jarius's daughter, 
uh, coming back to life. It says her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up within her. Same as 1 Kings 17.22, where Elijah brings this little boy back to life as well. It says his spirit returned to him. Uh, uh, you, you can look all the way through the Bible. Um, Jesus, the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, you don't find the idea of soul sleep in the Bible. You do find our bodies going back to the earth. Uh, that we do find. But we know that uh, we're going to get a resurrected body uh, in the uh, at the rapture. And uh, one that doesn't break down, get old, get wrinkles, all those kinds of things. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Acts chapter 7, we have the first martyr of the Christian church. His name is Stephen. And the Bible says that when he was being stoned to death, he says, I look and I see the heavens opened. And and it says, the son of man standing at the right hand of God. So here's an example. He's he's about ready to die, Stephen being stoned to death, that he sees the heavens open and Jesus stands up at the right hand of the Father, ready to receive Stephen. And the very first person every born-again believer is going to meet is the Lord Jesus Christ when they die. He will embrace them and uh, usher them into heaven. We'll go right to heaven and be there with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's exactly what we see in the book of Acts chapter 7 with the first martyr, Stephen. Mike? Amen. So hope that answers it for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless you. Stay on line, uh, and uh, we'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Danny, I think you'll really enjoy God of Wonders. Great DVD. Use it for evangelism and all those kinds of things. Always a good thing. Stay on line. We'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Bruce, Redding, California. Hi, welcome. Well, hello, guys. I'm so honored to be able to talk to you guys. Well, we're glad you called. How can we help? Oh, well, my question is, we have been... uh, here at work, we've been talking about the red heifer. Yes. And about, now, how old does a heifer have to be before they determine that it, is, it has, doesn't have a blemish? Well, I think they look for it from the very beginning because, again, that is one of the criteria for the red heifer is it's without spot or blemish. So it wouldn't have that, I believe, in the very, from the very uh, birth, it would be a, a perfect sacrifice. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of talk about the red heifer. I think they had six of them sent from Texas to Israel here recently, and I don't know if any of them passed the mustard test uh, of being a pure red heifer. Uh, and, you know, it's it's almost like trying to push along the, the end times. We, we know that the Bible says that there'll be the rapture of the church, and then, uh, and then there's going to be the covenant by the Antichrist with Israel for seven years, and we also know that the temple will be rebuilt the first three and a half years of the uh, of the tribulation period, and at the end of three and a half years there'll be the abomination of desolation. Uh, so when I when I I'm saying this because these events are going to come, and we know this is is really probably more more understandable than the, just looking at a red heifer that might find its way to Israel. Uh, they want to have the red heifer, yes. But at the same time, uh, they're gonna, there's a lot to happen, such as the rapture first. There could be the Ezekiel war could happen before the rapture, during the rapture, after the rapture, we don't know, uh, and so forth. So there's a lot of these things that I think might be more, uh, influential for us as we look to the scriptures, such as the parable of the fig tree. Jesus says to learn it. Israel became a nation in 1948. They got Jerusalem in 1967 with the six day war. 
so all these events, as we see them transpiring before our very eyes, people moving back to Israel. When Israel was founded, it had 800,000 people. Now it has 9.5 million Jews living there in Israel. Uh, there's only 15 million Jews across the world. So you can see this great movement of God bringing the Jewish people back to their homeland and how God is going to deal with them, protect them, and, and provide for them uh, during that tribulation period and the anointing of the 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel. So, Mike, I'll give it back to you with that. Amen. Hope that helps. Um, and I have one real quick question, too, is that uh, the first thing I have to say, I, I go to a little country church as the Calvary Chapel affiliate, and I was talking to my pastor a few weeks ago, and he said something about your mother was a member years ago there. Is that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. We were just having me talking about Mike Kelson. I said, oh, well, his mother, um, I met her at our church a couple years ago. So I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but I just thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And my question is about, it's uh, John 6:44 that uh, no one comes to the Father except those who are, are drawn. Yes. Now, how does our prayer work when it comes back? Because I have so many family and friends that I pray for daily for. And I just was kind of curious as to how are we convincing God to save them? Or are we just, you know, how does that work? Well, first of mm-hmm. all, you have to understand, we are ambassadors of the Most High on this earth. When we become born again, we know this is world has been turned over to Satan's hands. We know that. Read, read the book of Job, first chapter there. You'll, you'll see that he was out cruising the world. Now, we know that the devil cannot do whatever he wants to do. He can only do what God allows him to do. But we do know that he got this earth in a square deal in the garden when man took orders from the devil rather than from God. Don't eat of the tree. Satan says, eat of the tree. We didn't do what God said. We ate of the tree. Man has been suffering ever since. I believe that when we pray, we, we, we invoke the power of God on this earth. That's why, uh, again, um, uh, that's why Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. But when we pray and we ask the Lord to do something um, as a human being on this earth, we're asking God to intervene on this earth. He has a legal right then to do that. God's a legal God. Uh, this is something we have to understand. That's why uh, they're, they're, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He's a legal God. Um, he can't just say, well, you know, okay, I just forgive it. No big deal. No, that's why Jesus had died die on the cross for us. So God's a legal God. I, I believe that when we now represent heaven as a human being on this earth, we can ask God to do things, and he does things. I believe that's one of the important things. Now, remembering a couple things. Number one, God already knows what we need before we ask. Uh, I remember being in a prayer meeting one time, and this lady uh, came up at the end of the service on a Wednesday night and says, God, did you see the 6 o'clock news? And then because evidently she was sure he didn't see it, she told it to him. Um, (laughs) And then what to do about it? Well, I, I really don't know that that's the directive. Now, I, I know by praying, I got something really beaten down on me hard or whatever it is. I pray, I give it to God, uh, I, and I may continue to give it to God over many prayers um, uh, because that, that takes the worry away from me. That, that's where I can, I can take it to the Lord and leave it there. So I, I think that's really an important part of prayer. 
But the real part of prayer is to align our will with God's will and ask God to intervene. Uh, I I believe uh, the prayer for the sick is so important. And we pray for people here in church on Sunday morning all the time. One uh, friend was going to have his leg removed uh, because of the cancer. We prayed for him and he was healed and he has his leg. We had another girl just a couple of weeks ago have cancer. We prayed for her. She doesn't have cancer anymore. I, I, I just see God doing amazing things. Uh, but when it comes to, God, what do you want? What's the next direction? I, I know, God, you want to have another worldwide awakening like the Jesus movement or the Azusa Street uh, meetings and things. God, what? how do we, I, become involved in that? Open the doors and close them according to your will. But I'm asking God to intervene in a world that's been given to Satan. God has a legal right then to do that. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not in the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Mike shared, we're ambassadors for Christ. Jesus taught us to pray for even those that persecute us in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, as well as to pray for all men uh, in leadership uh, or, or any or all people, really. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul, Paul the Apostle writes for us to pray for all those, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people. So as we engage in that intercessory prayer, which you can read about the Lord's great intercessory prayer in John chapter 17, that was for the disciples and all of us. And as we go forth into the world and fulfill the Great Commission, we go in fulfilling it with the Word of God and in the power of prayer, which then anoints us with the power of the Holy Spirit which are able to break down the strongholds of Satan and his lies within people's lives. And this is this is a powerful work. And as the church gathers to pray or as individuals gather to pray or just as one individual gets into prayer, it has a great effect upon Satan's work of deception, bringing truth to the human heart, bringing light to the darkness, and bringing salvation to the unsaved. So this is this is the great work of prayer. And the Lord Jesus he says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he's teaching us to pray. He also says in another passage, will the Son of Man, when he returns, really, really find faith in the earth because our people are really praying. And we have faith in God. God does work. He does tremendous things in nations as well as uh, as well as well individual lives. I, I remember back with the election when President Trump was elected. It was that year right before the election that uh, Franklin Graham went to every capital of the United States, every state's capital, and we gathered together for prayer. And I believe that was a tremendous work of God that allowed us to get uh, someone like Trump in and to bring in those conservative uh, justices to help us with this great uh, fight against uh, evil right now. And, yeah, yeah, uh, we'd be also, we'd probably be a communist government right yeah. now if it wasn't for the Supreme exactly. Court justices that Trump appointed. Because Amen. Uh, the the powers that be want the government to control everything. See, according to the Democrats, Americans are so stupid they cannot make decisions on their own. So the government will think for you. It will do everything <laughs> for you. Well, the problem with that is some people may need that. I don't know. But it is not what our country was based upon as a free nation, where the government takes over. Now, as an example, 
we have socialism running rampant in our country. Of course, this debt forgiveness for all the college students. Everybody, that's your tax dollars. That's what you are paying taxes for is to pay for other people's free education. Uh, That's using public money for private gain. That's why there's an injunction right now to stop it because it is unconstitutional and we need to be very careful when we see this kind of stuff go on because... uh, um, you know, it's what's called buying votes is all it is. Well, you can't do that right before an election, going out, paying off everybody's student loans. What's next? Paying off everybody's cars. And see, the Communist Party always promises the moon and delivers nothing. That's what they do. That's how they took over in Venezuela and all these other places. They promise free education for everybody. Free this, free that. Well, when they get into power... The people are impoverished. Again, what Mm -hmm. Margaret Thatcher said, communism works till you run out of everybody else's money. So what we're going to do then is we'll tax the middle class. Uh, The rich people aren't going to pay taxes. The poor people can't. So they hired 87,500 IRS, armed IRS agents now to go after the middle class. Biden is declaring war on the American people, on the middle class. You don't have to have that many. Look at the last Super Bowl game. How many people were there? That doesn't even, that pales in comparison to what he did to the IRS. Hiring all these people to come after all of us as citizens? Hey, what, what, what's going on here? And so the thing is, if you're if you ask questions, well, the American news media that's part of this rotten machine, uh, they jump in and they uh, they massage everything, tell you only part of the facts and and they make everything look good. Joe Biden two days ago said the the Republicans will tank the American economy before the election. He said that it's on it was on Fox News. Joe, you've already tanked the economy. Yeah, exactly. It isn't the Republicans doing it. Hey, buddy, you're in control of the Senate and the House. You're the one. Your party is the one that tanked America. We went from 1% to 3% inflation under Trump to now, really, if you do the adjusting the way they figured it 20 years ago, we're at 21% inflation right now. Worse since 1947. But will the American news media tell you the truth? No, they're not going to do that. They make everything look flowery and, oh, it's not really all that bad. Friends, it is. And so, yeah, we're going to we're going to uh, see some some interesting things coming up. Yep, the Red Heifer. Bruce, hope that answered. Stay online. We'll send you books and DVDs. <laughs> coming up on a break, we'll be back for more right after this. Did you know that over 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Preborn has saved hundreds and thousands of precious babies' lives through ultrasound. 
Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn Pregnancy Clinics. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. Preborn pregnancy clinics are the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds. By focusing on top abortion states where over 50% of abortions still occur, Preborn is there, and you can be a part. To get involved, call 855 855- 668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All of us at CSN want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support in 2022. Because of your generosity, we are able to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching is being broadcasted 24 hours a day on 443 radio stations nationwide and worldwide through online streaming and via the CSN app. You make this possible. As the year comes to an end, would you consider making a special year-end donation? As a 5013C, your gift will be a year-end write-off if given before midnight on December 31st. To help further the work of CSN, please go to csnradio.com slash support or call 1-800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. This is CSN. Welcome back to part two of Every Man and Answer on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones because we've got a lot of calls. And uh, let's go to Alan, Yucca Valley, California. Hi, welcome. Hey there. How you doing? Good. How may we help? Uh, I had a couple of questions. Uh, a buddy of mine and I have been doing some debates. Uh, you know, we, we agree on the same things, but just for the purposes of apologetics, we're kind of playing devil's advocate with each other and debating some of the, the of our core doctrines yeah and uh, uh one of was one of the verses that you uh, quoted earlier uh second corinthians 5 8 and yes. you know the discussion came up of how come this this verse is always misquoted i mean we've we've sat through you know many pastors through the years through you know conferences and retreats and uh, you know when you really read the verse it's like every pastor i've ever heard always misquotes it and i was just curious what your thoughts were on that Well, it says we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, verse 9, important to read the next verse, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So it's not really out of context. It's it's simply just a, a, a contraction of the verse. But the basic idea here is to understand that whether we're, and, and like I say, verse 8 is important. Verse 9, read that with it. Because again, the verses and the chapters were put in by the translators so we could find our favorite chapter and verse. But originally it was written together as a letter 
And so it tells us that, and again, it's very clear that this is exactly what it's talking about when you go to verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, again, uh, uh, it's very much, I think, talking about that uh, verse six, therefore, we all, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Same thing. So all of this has that. So, um, uh, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a contraction, but if you read verses six to, uh, to 11, it's very clear to be absent from this body. You're going to be present with the Lord. Uh, and, uh, therefore if you're, um, well, as he says here, if, if uh, we are in the body, we are absent from the Lord, but someday soon we'll be with him. Your thoughts? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 also reads, Paul writes, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the, in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. It's, uh, I, I'm not sure what the devil's advocate wants to say in regards to this. I'd rather be a Jesus advocate. And uh, it's the word of God. Uh, we are, the moment a person dies, they are present with the Lord. There is no soul sleep. That's the false doctrine that's perpetrated by uh, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, it's 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 a false doctrine, as well as uh, there's Jehovah's Witnesses too that uh, they talk about uh, annihilation along with Seventh Day Adventists instead of a literal hell that is forever everlasting torment, which are also false teachings. So as we approach the scriptures, we want to use them in a form of apologetics to contend for the faith and to declare the truth of God's word. Uh, hopefully that helps you out, my friend. Yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah, well, like I said, totally dis- or totally agree with uh, the the belief. It was just kind of more, you know, we always hear it misquoted, and it was kind of like, hey, why, you know, why is it always misquoted, you know? But it's not a huge issue. Well, I, I did it, have one it, other issue. Yeah, real real quick, and 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 you're right. If you're going to really read it that way, yes, that's true. However, if you read verses six to ten, that's exactly what it's saying. And so there's there's, um, uh, you know, rather than quoting verses six through verse uh, 10 every time we use that reference uh it's kind of a contraction there so hope that helps what was your other question uh regarding uh uh holy spirit conviction uh you know there's a there's a belief out there we don't we disagree with it completely so don't get me wrong that uh the holy spirit doesn't uh convict the believer of sin you know i've heard it challenged many times and so you know try to build a case against it everybody uses john 16:8 uh, but the the question came to mind is you know uh, again we're not not that we disagree with it but I was always taught in church by many pastors that you don't build doctrine on one verse and so trying to find other supporting verses I was really struggling and so I was just curious do you, do you have any other verses to help support that idea? Okay, their thoughts. Well, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict of uh, John sixteen of righteousness and 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 judgment and so forth and in John 16. Now, the spirit of God, he he's he's known as the Holy Spirit. So he's going to lead us into a pathway of holiness or righteousness. So he does convict us when we're doing things wrong. It's not a conviction to salvation because we're already saved. 
but it's a conviction to righteousness or a conviction to godliness or a conviction to holiness. And that's where we read that that all Scripture is inspired by the Spirit of God. And thus, even First John tells us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that unrighteousness or that sinfulness is is confirmed through the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, who leads us into all truth, according to what Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. And this is vitally important that uh, otherwise we would just get, get say, I'm saved, I said the sinner's prayer, we're going to continue without true repentance. Uh, and I know when I first got saved, I didn't really understand all the sinful things that I was doing. But as the Word of God came into my heart and the power of the Holy Spirit came into my life, I realized, oh, I need to repent of these sins. I need to turn from these ways of thinking and living and speaking and so forth. And your life is being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and thus we have that working of conviction, uh, not only for the non-believer to come to salvation, but for the believer to be sanctified. And that's the key word, to be sanctified. Mike? Amen. I hope that, that shines some light on it. Uh, again, we have to look at the the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what does the Holy Spirit do when you really look at it? And and uh, uh, He empowers us to be to be um, effective for the kingdom of heaven. Again, I always direct people to First Corinthians chapter six, where He says, "Do not be deceived." Um, um, and I think it's really interesting because it seems like there's a lot of, of deception that's gone on, um, but it's by conviction that we come to Christ in the first place. Um, condemnation comes from the devil, but conviction uh, comes from the Holy Spirit that, that causes to repent. Um, and so I, I hope that, that shines some light on it for you because, again, um, you know, if 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 the Holy Spirit is willing to convict non-believers of their sin, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit convict believers of theirs? Um, if, you know, I mean, go ahead, Carol. If I could add one last thing, uh, in Ephesians chapter five, it says, "For you, verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness." righteousness and truth. And that's by the Holy Spirit uh, leading us to understand the holiness and the righteousness of God and how we're to be sanctified through the Word of God, and thus we'll live a victorious life. And that's uh, that's where we call that being overcomers. Amen. And God wants to bless us and guide us, but He can if we're breaking fellowship with Him as we continue to engage in sinful practices and bad habits. But when we are convicted, we come to a place of confession of sin and repentance, and we want to turn and start living in the right ways of the Lord. Mike? Yeah, and, and again, Galatians 5, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, in order to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it shows the Holy Spirit has to be active in your life to spawn those things. Um, and uh, again, Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, all Scripture is inspired by God, useful to teach us, is true to make us realize the wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip the people to do every good work. And so, I believe that again, how does the how does God speak to us 
through his word. It has to be through the Holy Spirit. That's the invisible communicator of God to all people, Christian and non-Christian. That's why we know that uh, as a Christian, when we're uh, doing something and we're about to go do something, we have that conviction of the Holy Spirit upon us saying, don't do this. Um, You know, I, 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 I really I really don't understand completely the idea that the Holy Spirit would be absent from a believer with that wonderful internal guidance system that God gives us when we're filled with the Spirit. Why would that not be an active part of our Christianity? Um, uh, Because, again, this is why Jesus, I believe, said in John 3, you must be born again. Our spirit died in the garden. It's been dead ever since. And until we can become born again, it reunites to that, uh, that fellowship with God. And we have that, that voice from the Holy Spirit telling us and talking to us. Uh, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, not even into the end of the age. But we know that, that that, I believe Jesus was speaking clearly there about his Holy Spirit that would be there with us to give us what we need to do. And in fact, Paul says, don't even worry about what you're going to say when you're brought before magistrates and kings. The Holy Spirit will tell you what you're going to say. Well, that, if the Holy Spirit is in us to the point to tell us what we're going to say when we're under the gun, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit tell us when we're going to do something wrong? So I don't, I, I, I think if you look at the, the, not only the scripture, but also the, the logic that goes behind it, if God is willing to convict the world, as Jesus said uh, there in John, if he's willing to get, convict the world, non-believers, of their sin, why wouldn't he want to convict a believer of theirs? I mean, the whole idea of becoming born again is to be reunited with God's faithful purposes for our life. And if, well, we're saved and hope you figure it out, just read your Bible a lot, that's the end of it. I don't see that in the Scripture. Uh, The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Well, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be hearing the Spirit. Hope that helps. Yeah, thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, keep going, Alan, and uh, let your light shine. Stay in, line, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs I think you'll enjoy. Let's go to Joe, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Good Joe. Good afternoon, pastors. Hi, how may we help? Well, my daughter came to me with a question. I did not know quite how to answer it, and I was hoping you guys could shed some light on it for me. Okay. She asked me if when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the devil came into the garden mm-hmm. and uh, convinced Eve to take a bite of the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. Was it to get humanity to know the knowledge between good and evil because God did not want us to know that? Or like, and I did not know the answer to that. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. Right. Your thoughts. Well, when God made us in the garden of Eden, he made us in the image of God. The image of God is love, light, and life. Uh, speaking of the righteousness and holiness of God and who he is. And he, he gave Adam and Eve uh, everything there was to give the, in the Garden of Eden. It was the gift of planet Earth, so to speak. And uh, and the, there was only one command that was given to them. That is, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, Satan comes in as the tempter, the tempter and the deceiver. Uh, and he comes in and he says, why don't you go in and, and, and eat it? And has God, has God said, he questions the word of God. He questions the authority of God. And Eve, unfortunately, she, uh, 
she uh, spoke and then she she took partook of it and then she gave to her husband who knew better and he partook of it also and what happened was at that moment in time the image of god uh, was it you know the bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins we became spiritually dead and now we're made alive in Christ Jesus our lord by being born again of the spirit and thus uh, we vacillate every day as as fleshly people between good and evil because it's part of our human nature now whereas before we only knew the goodness and the righteousness of God. And so Satan knew how to uh, come against God and try to destroy God's creation, but God doesn't give up. He gave his only begotten son to die a bloody death upon the cross to show us how deeply, how richly, how purely he loves us and will sacrifice his most precious precious one there for our salvation. And the Lord Jesus went to the cross for us. So this is this is what we learn about is the depths of God's love, the depths of God's uh, light, his truth, his righteousness, and the depths of God's life, which brings us everlasting life. We, we, we go from death to life as God has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. But this is the great story of good and evil. And there'll be a time where Jesus will redeem the earth. We read about in Revelation chapter 5 as, a, as the tribulation will take place. And then he will ultimately set up his millennial kingdom, 1,000-year reign after the tribulation. And uh, it's it's going to be, I, I think, the, the Garden of Eden and what it was and, and what we're going to experience in a 1,000 years are going to be very much equal to what that Garden of Eden was like. It's going to be incredible on planet Earth during that 1,000-year reign of Christ. And then we'll ultimately head off to the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, as the Bible declares. Mike? Amen. Does that answer it for you? Yes, it, it it answers it very clearly. Now I can tell her that and explain it to her better because, you know, she's a 14-year-old kid in public schools and 15-year-old kid, sorry, in public schools. And you know what they teach in public schools today. So, sure. I mean, now I can answer it for her and explain it to her and explain that, no, the devil was not doing a good thing by doing that. No. No, and there's a little bit more to it as well, because something you have to remember is I've had people say, well, how could a good God put a bad tree in the Garden of Eden? Well, remember this. God didn't say the animals couldn't eat of it. And there's a lot of things animals can eat that we can't. I've seen things cats and dogs eat that I wouldn't touch with a hundred foot pole. And so there's a lot of things that that they can eat. Uh, God wasn't being mean to Adam and Eve by telling them not to eat of the tree. He said, don't do it. First, it wasn't good for them. Number two, it was a test to see if they would be obedient to what God said or not. Now, when we stop to think about it, there's a lot of things in our house, and you could look at your children and say, now, honey, don't drink the Drano under the bathroom sink. Well, mom and dad just doesn't love me. I I want that freedom to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? I'll drink Drano if I want to. Well, that's really kind of the idea that I think Satan was presenting to them. Well, God, it it just doesn't want you to be smart like he is. Uh, Yeah, well, that's true. God does know things, a lot more things, immensely more things than we humans do about anything and everything. And if God says, don't eat of something, they did. Well, you know what also happened when they ate of the tree and they were run out of the garden? Their lifespan, death began. The Bible says that death entered this world through, through Adam and Eve. 
particularly Eve. And from, from then on, God designed human beings to last forever. And, and the way our bodies are set up, they should re- replicate the dead cells and all. But for some reason, our body doesn't keep up with it. Thus, the aging process comes in. And by 80, 90, 100 years old, your body just can't reproduce what it needs anymore to stay alive. And it dies. Now, again, not only when they ate of that tree was it disobedient to God, but it brought death into human beings. Maybe there was something in that tree that, that caused um, a reversal of that, of that longevity that we had. Now, we know that after the flood, man's lifestyle went, uh, life, uh, lifespan went from about almost a thousand years down to, uh, by the time of King David, down to about 70 years. Now, yeah, people live longer than 70 years, but those that are over 70 tell me, man, you feel every joint in your body and everything hurts and all those kinds of things. Well, it's true. And so understanding, I believe, really the plan of God. God wasn't being mean by not telling him not to eat of the tree. It wasn't good for you. Just as you would tell your children, don't eat every anything you find in this house. It ain't good for you either. Now, now animals can eat of, of, of certain trees and plants and things. It doesn't hurt them. But for us as humans, it ain't so good. Hope that helps. Mike, if I could uh, have one last tidbit. You know, uh, for your 15-year-old daughter, you know, what she has to realize is God made that statement to Adam and Eve so that they would love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the great command that the Lord Jesus uh, shares with us in regards to the commandments. And so God had already manifested his love to them by creating them and having fellowship with them in the garden and the beauty of the garden, all the beautiful animals and all that were given. That love was manifested, and yet man's love for God was not for God. Man's love was for himself. Satan said, you shall be as God. And this is the great lie of the of Satan and man kind of like, oh, okay, I'll fall for that. Yeah, oh, I like to be like God. Yeah, oh, sure, why not? And this is known as the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but are of the world. And God wanted us to love him in the beginning. And and then he manifested his, his the greatest love of all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? John three sixteen. So this is, it's all about the manifestation of true love and the choices that we make in life to love God or to reject God. God, our creator and father, and to love his son, our savior. So this is the manifestation of love. And God wants us to love him with all our heart. And he wants us to love one another. Amen. It's all about him. Hope that helps. Stay in line, Joe, and we'll send you out some books, DVDs. I think you, your daughter and your family alike. Okay. Thank you very much. God bless you, Joe. Thanks. Thanks so much for the call. And again, uh, um, glad you called. Let's go to Sylvia, New Mexico. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How may we help? It's really hard listening to everybody in the background because it's compounded my one question into a million. (laughs) But (laughs) I'll make more phone calls to the point you'll be blocking me. But, um, (laughs) you know, I'm that one person that will drive everyone crazy in Bible class. My question is, you know, you say that when we pass that the Greek word um, means instantaneous, that Mm -hmm. we'll go to be with the Lord. 
But in Revelations, it states that, you know, until the books are open of judgment and life, that we really don't have a place in heaven because, you know, you can't put someone in heaven who's blasphemed the spirit and then all of a sudden go, boom, you're in the lake of fire. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, you know, you're, you're right. That's why they don't. That's why when a person dies, as an example, that's not a believer, they don't go into the lake of fire. They go to Sheol, hell, its place where there is torment, there is fire. Jesus spoke of it. But it's awaiting the great white throne judgment when their works have come to full fruition. Think of a person that started a cult. Maybe there was only 27, 30 people. Now there's millions. Oh, that person's going to be judged horribly for the lie that they invented and then caused others to believe it. So there's a lot of things like that, that even though a person dies, their evilness did not stop. It continues on. But the Bible says also for us as believers to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, not speaking of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment for those believers is for those who live during the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. There are people that had to live in a perfect environment, perfect food, perfect government, perfect everything, but they're not believers. They're just enjoying the bennies of all that wonderful uh, God blessing the world. Well, the Bible says Satan is loosed. There's a rally against the Lord as sand is on the sea with the word God destroys them. They will stand in the great white throne judgment. And those who are believers that accepted Christ during the millennial reign of Christ, they will stand in the great white throne judgment. But far as us goes, Jesus has already taken our sin on him. We will be rewarded in the Bema Seat judgment. The Bible says, you'll be, if you've been faithful over a little, you'll be made faithful over much. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, when we look at the Lord and what he says, he says that the non-believers go to a place of Hades, waiting for the final judgment, which will ultimately be the lake of fire. All believers today go immediately, as we've shared the scriptures, immediately to heaven. You know, it's interesting when you study the parable of the of the talents in Matthew 25, uh, the one had five, he got five more, the one had two, had two more, and so forth. Uh, and he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. You enter immediately to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. As we pass from this life, we are found in heaven. And uh, it's it's important to realize that uh, there's going to be armies in heaven returning with the Lord. In Revelation 19, we're going to return and set up the 1,000-year reign of Christ, uh, according to Revelation chapter 20. It's spoken of six times. So this is what we see in the Scriptures, Mike. Amen. And And again, not to be confused, because nobody, Christians or anybody else, that have died, they're in heaven, are in the New Jerusalem. That is true. That comes down as the world melts with a fervent heat, heavens are burned up, God makes a brand new deal for all those that love him. Devil is put away forever, never to tempt man again. And uh, so that'll be a, a grand place. Hope that helps. It does. Can I ask one more thing? Well, you could, but we're out of time. You don't have the time. We're out of time. The, 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 the music is playing, telling us that we got to go. Uh, but but uh, stay in line, dear. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. You're welcome to call back tomorrow or the next day, and however it works for you. 
Uh, but we'll get those out to you. Thanks, Daryl, for being on the program. Thank you. God bless. Look forward to being back with all of you tomorrow. So until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. Call us back tomorrow if you didn't to get on today. To find more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 